0: Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's national parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 20. This is our first episode of 2020. Haha, that was not intentional, but it works. In this episode, Brian, the girls, and I reminisce on 2019 discuss some of our bucket list, and share our plans for 2020. In addition, we got a special request from a listener to talk about budget for travel to the national parks, so we will address that question as well. If you have comments, feedback, stories, tips, or recommendations, you may reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or send us an email at hello at everybodysnps.com. You can also share with us what you want to hear on future episodes. If this is your first time tuning in, Check out the archive, including Crater Lake, Everglades, Grand Canyon, Great Smoky Mountains, Yellowstone, Yosemite, Zion, and more. As well as special interviews, such as with Ken Burns. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. Be sure to tell your friends. We wish you a happy and healthy new year for 2020. Now let's get to the conversation.
1: So today we have a very special episode as we're recording We are staring the uh, holidays right in the face, the end of 2019. So we thought for the beginning of 2020 that we'll take a look back on 2019 and a look forward to what we're going to do in 2020. We had quite the adventurous year this past year, many national parks as well as national historic sites. So we thought we'd go over it and towards the end we'll provide some tips about budget traveling, which I think is very important. And we haven't really gone into that, but it's something we think about all the time. And so I think we'll pass along some of the things that we've learned. So it's been quite the year. It's hard to imagine we've packed this all in one year, but uh, it is a frigid, frigid cold day here in the Northeast in the middle of December. Let's spin it back to the very warm and comfortable Everglades and Biscayne National Parks where we traveled to in January. So do you want to start with the context of uh, what was kind of interesting and slightly depressing? What was happening around that?
0: Yeah, so this time of year, it seems that it's been a pattern that we're always thinking about, is there going to be another government shutdown? And so, alas, the beginning of 2019, the end of 2018, we had a government shutdown, which, of course, means that the national parks
1: did not have their staff. So, yeah, it was a bit of a different shutdown where I think the government realized that shutting down the parks completely is a great way to engender a lot of anger towards the federal government. So they decided to have them somewhat kind of sort of partially open. So we were able to go to Everglades during the shutdown. Our camping reservation was honored. And I think it was also kind of the, sometimes you see the best side of America and our neighbors. The friends group, the foundation that helps run Everglades National Park, basically took over and served as the stewards of the park in the absence of the rangers. So we were able to go. There were no rangers there other than law enforcement rangers, but we were able to camp. And again, it was a bit sad, but it was also a bit happy because you saw a lot of volunteers pitching in to not only staff the visitor centers, but to do things like pick up garbage and to really clean the park. And I thought that was very inspiring. And uh, we were glad to be there. And we did our bit as well, making sure we were policing our campsites for trash and litter more than we normally would do. We've just felt like everyone had to pitch in. But that said, the Everglades were pretty spectacular.
0: They were. And we hemmed and hawed about whether to go or whether to cancel our trip. We made phone calls. We called the nonprofit partner and inquired. And they said, yes, please come. We are open for business.
1: Yeah, I think part of our concern was we didn't want to add stress to an already stressful situation. So we didn't want to be another group going down there to add some wear and tear to a park that wasn't going to be serviced as it normally would. But you know, we were assured that they were doing their level best. I think if I remember, we were there in the teeth of the shutdown. I think they told us, well, we're good for now. But if, if you were coming down in a couple weeks and there was still the shutdown, we may have suggested maybe you should stay home because that's the point where they would have started to break. But we were there at a particularly right time. And again, it was just incumbent on us to help out as well and not add to anybody's headaches and problems, but it worked out.
0: It did. It was nice
1: to get warm, too. Everglades was one of the parks that was not on my high list of parks to go to, for whatever reason. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that, boy, was I wrong. Not only that, I would love to go back and want to go back. For whatever reason, I thought, well, swamps doesn't seem that exciting to me. But the beauty and the diversity of Everglades was pretty stunning. I can't wait to go back. I'd love to go back and do a kayak trip in the backcountry. Do you remember the chickies? Mm-hmm. Those platforms?
0: Yep. The chickies. I don't know if the
1: kids are big enough, but I think uh, if, if we could go or if we were there with other friends, going in the backcountry, kayaking from backcountry site to backcountry site could be a fun thing to do.
0: Yeah. So that was an item on my list for this uh, this discussion today is our bucket list of all the parks we want to return to and what we want to do. So that is one of them.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so it, Everglades in January. So as part of that trip, we also went to Biscayne National Park. We did not have to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, Danielle, do you have a, a couple of highlights you wanted to mention?
0: So for Biscayne, while we were there, there weren't a lot of options and there was the boat excursions that our kids could do because of their age, they were limited. So that is another place that we'd like to go back to when they're a little bit older the activity that's on our bucket list that we want to go back and do is the paddleboarding excursion in Jones Lagoon. That sounded amazing. The pictures looked amazing. It's a small group activity. I think they limit it to maybe six people or so.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And so you can revisit that trip in its entirety on our uh, podcast series in series 11, right? So that's 11.1 to 11.5. And then from there, we went to Arizona. The idea was to go to Petrified Forest, but because of a storm, we called an audible and we went to Swarrow National Park. And again, please revisit this in series 15.1 to 15.5. So Danielle, Swarrow, if we were to go back, what would you want to do?
0: I think I would just want to do some more hikes, longer hikes, and get into the higher country there because there is quite a bit of elevation gain where you can see you kind of leave the desert and what you think of <laughs> the saguaro cacti, then you're in the forest and there's deer and fox and things like that. So I think that would be a cool thing to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. We did most of the things in the front country, I think. And so I'd love to get in the back country now and explore that. Check out some of those back country campsites. So that was saguaro, which was a lot of fun. The big highlight there for me was being there and seeing the water effect because we were there right for a nasty storm. And then after the storm, seeing waterfalls that we were told don't appear that often at all maybe once every 10 years or so and waterfalls and and rivers and that sort of thing streams had appeared that was a huge highlight for the year felt very lucky in some regards to be there
0: and seeing a snowman at saguaro that was also oh a yeah highlight that's right
1: <laughs> crazy yeah. yeah yeah
0: exactly and just seeing the snow on the saguaro i liked that too that was that was pretty
1: special and there's a lesson there. You can plan out a trip and you should plan out a trip, but sometimes the best trips are the ones that are spontaneous because of uh, circumstances. So we spent spring break. We went back to an old friend at Shenandoah, and then we bounced over, spent some time at the Yorktown battle site. Shenandoah is one of our earlier uh, podcast series, and one should revisit that. It's just an old friend and one of our favorite parks. So It was great to be back.
0: At Shenandoah, I think I probably have mentioned this, but I sort of consider Shenandoah our home park. We live far away from there, but it's the first national park I ever went to, first national park we went to together, the first national park our kids went to, and I can envision taking our grandchildren there someday. So it holds a special place in my heart. And Shenandoah, that series is series two.
1: So that was already an active uh, start to the year, but then came the big one, right? This was the, the trip we've been planning on. The big trip for the year is our Northern California West Coast trip. and We started off with San Francisco area, so Muir Woods, Fort Point, Presidio, the Rosie, the Riveter historical site. That was all in the Bay Area, and that's episode 18.1. And then we went over to Yosemite. That was series 19, 19 19.1 to 19.7. And I was just talking to a friend. I don't know if you heard me. I was just on the phone with a friend catching up for the holiday. Told him about our Yosemite trip, and he was just telling me about... He's an East Coast kid. He knew nothing about it. Rolled in at 2 in the morning, not really knowing what he was going to see. And can you imagine waking up in that canyon and seeing El Capitan looming above you and not really knowing what you would expect? He said it absolutely floored him. So uh, that was just a couple hours ago, catching up with my buddy, Matt. So that was a great trip. I mean, we can go on and on about what else we'd want to do. I felt as we just, we were there for a solid week. We just scratched the surface. What are some of the things you'd want to do if we went back?
0: Oh, my list is so long for Yosemite. Give me your top top two. Well, first and foremost, I want to visit Yosemite in every season. We did spring. I would love to go back in spring because it was so amazing, but... I would love to go back in the fall seeing the colors in the yellows and golds and stuff and pictures on Ranger Shelton's Instagram feed. I follow him on Instagram. It's just so beautiful. So I'd love to see those colors. And then I'm dying to go back in the winter sometime. I want to go cross-country skiing. You can do that around Glacier Point and then stay at the Glacier Point Ski Hut. And then, of course, summer, summer's crowded, especially seeing what it looked like when we were there in spring. It was, we kept saying, what is it like in summer if it's this crowded already? But I really would love to do the high Sierra camps in the summertime.
1: That's my top one, which is a lottery. And we've never won the lottery. And I've put in for it. Any way you can put in for it, I've put in for it. Different iterations of the trip. I've never won the lottery, but that is certainly the top of the list. Those High Sierra camps, whether it's with a ranger, on horseback, on foot, however I can win the lottery, I want to win that lottery and go.
0: So we'll just keep on doing it and maybe we'll get lucky one year and win the lottery. (laughs) I forgot to enter
1: it this year. So not for 2020. We have to look at 2021, but we'll try.
0: I don't even know if we'd have time in 2020 anyway, but we'll have to put that on our calendar with a reminder when that opens our kids loved Yosemite so much. Our kids both want to be park rangers. (laughs) And they said that they wanted to be park rangers at Yosemite. So who knows? Maybe one day we'll uh, get to go there a lot because we'll be visiting our children.
1: (laughs) That would be nice. Well, that brought us into the summer where we just had some quick hit visits to historical sites on the margins of either other trips, in one case, a work trip or dropping the kids off with their grandparents. So we uh, made it to Boston and spent some time at Boston Harbor. The, we saw the Freedom Trail, the USS Constitution. Uh, then down in Baltimore, Fort McHenry, where uh, the Star Spangled Banner was inspired. Fire Island National Seashore, which is our closest national park site to our house. So we figured we better visit the one that's closest to us. And of course, also here on Long Island at is Sagamore Hill, Teddy Roosevelt's family seat. And so we visited all that. Any, any one of those things pop out at you? Fire Island
0: is a big place. I really want to go back there. I hit two spots, one spot with you, the lighthouse. And when you were away, we went to the sunken forest when we had friends visiting. That was really cool. And there's still two more visitor centers that I need to get to. So um, I really want to go back there. And another cool thing, is that the monarch butterfly migration goes along the south of Long Island, including over Fire Island. And so I would love to see that there. I did get to see it a little bit closer to where we live, which was very cool. But now that I've learned about this, I will be ready next year, hopefully, when they really come through in their full peak migration.
1: Yeah, and Fire Island is a barrier island off the mainland of Long Island in the Atlantic Ocean. It's very special to get to. There are homes and residents there, but the National Seashore is there with the lighthouse. And it's a great great spot. And weirdly, it's like anything else. You live in New York, you don't go to the Statue of Liberty. I went on a third grade field trip there and that's it. So that was my second time back, which is really embarrassing. So I'm glad we really hit that. That was a a lot of fun and part of a great summer.
0: Yeah. And Sagamore Hill, that was fun too. I actually ran into my seventh grade teacher. (laughs) So um, he was a docent there. He retired. And and so now he volunteers at uh, Sagamore Hill. So that was very fun. I recognized him and he totally remembered me and my sisters. So that was fun.
1: (laughs) And no cooler president for little kids than uh, Teddy Roosevelt, because he himself was basically an overgrown eight-year-old. So I think a lot of kids can identify with him. So it's great to, it was great to see his home at Sagamore Hill.
0: At Sagamore Hill, the docent that led our tour taught us that President Roosevelt did not like the name Teddy. So nobody called him Teddy to his face.
1: The colonel or Mr. President, right? Colonel Roosevelt. So great to see some of the parks in our own backyard. And then uh, this fall, again, on the margins of some other trips, we stopped over at uh, Saratoga battle site uh, which was uh, uh, we've been to a few times, but it was great to go back with the girls to get their Junior Ranger badges. And then, of course, because our girls are very much into Hamilton, we had to stop at the Skylar's house, which was uh, a highlight for them.
0: We hit the Skylar House in Saratoga, the country house, the house on a lake. And then we also went to the mansion, which is in Albany, and that's part of the New York State Park system. But the house, the Skylar House in Saratoga, is part of the national park service system
1: so yeah the girls they got to scratch the hamilton edge right so they were pretty excited about right. that. right
0: of course we still haven't won the lottery for hamilton <laughs> So we'll yes, we're
1: not good at lotteries i guess that's part of the problem <laughs>
0: we'll keep trying
1: uh what do you think we'll win first the uh, high sierra camp lottery or the hamilton play lottery i would think the hamilton lottery there's a lot more options for that yeah, probably <laughs> So, uh, and then the last one is, uh, and this was a classic case of we had an extra 45 minutes. It was on the way. We stopped in Springfield, Massachusetts at the Springfield, which was great because it was a real teaching moment for our kids about John Brown, John Brown Raid. That was a Harper's Ferry Armory, but we talked about why armories were important. So that was good. That was all of the national park sites in 2019 that we visited, but that was not all of the episodes, because we were very lucky. This year, we had some very special episodes. And I think, uh, I don't know, Danielle, they were, they were all good. But I think one that really stands out for me is episode 13 with Ken Burns, um, the documentarian for the Civil War, the Vietnam War, the current country music uh, documentary, and, uh, of course, uh, the National Parks, America's Best Idea from 10 years ago. So we got them as part of the 10-year anniversary of the National Parks series.
0: That was such an amazing interview. I still enjoy listening to it. You know, one of my favorite things that Ken said was, it's important to see these places. I'm paraphrasing here, but seeing the Grandest Canyon and the big walls of Yosemite and things like that. But it's equally as important whose hand you're holding when you go to these places.
1: I agree. I was just so impressed about how present he was and how passionate he is about the parks only because he's so busy. This was right before country music came out. Uh, he told us about the other, I don't know, half dozen other projects he's working on at the same time. So for a second there, I thought, you know, he's, he's kind of left national parks behind and he may not be as present, but when we turned the microphones on, he was completely locked in and uh, he might as well have been putting out that documentary uh, on the national parks yesterday because he was completely locked in. And I was really happy to hear he still visits the national parks as part of his family vacations. That's what they do as a family. So that was really cool that, uh, you know, this is something, uh, not only did he do the, the series, but it's something he also visits as well.
0: Yes, he said he takes a family trip to a national park once a year at least.
1: So another great episode we had, which was a particular challenge for me at least, was the recent episode we released interviewing Ranger Shelton Johnson. Challenging only from my end, trying to match Not only Shelton, but the character that he inhabits, a buffalo soldier from the 19th century. It was really tough to speak on that. So again, that's episode 19.5, but certainly a highlight from the year for me.
0: And we got a lot of great feedback on that episode, which was really nice to hear from listeners. One of my favorite episodes that I really enjoyed was talking to our good friend Becky Lomax, she wrote the moon guide book, USA National Parks, The Complete Guide to All 59 Parks Travel Guide. She gave ideas for summer trips to some of the less traveled parks. During our conversation with Becky, it turned out that she was going to be at Yosemite the same time we were. So that was really fun to meet up with Becky and her friends at the park We ended up seeing each other three days in a row, did some hikes together, and uh, became really good friends. We also had another occasion where we met up with some friends and listeners at the Martin Van Buren National Historic Site. I participate in a weekly Twitter chat called Hashtag Park Chat. And that was really fun to meet all these people that I've been communicating with on Twitter talking about national parks.
1: Speaking of listeners, uh, we recently had a listener ask us about what our budget, how we come up with our budget, and how we keep within a budget for our travel. And I thought that was a really good question because we've never really addressed that. But uh, again, we're, you know, we have a family, and you know, these trips are great, but they do cost. So we're constantly thinking about that. So I just wanted to share some of our tips on what we do to remain in a budget to make sure we have a, not only a great trip, but an economical trip. I think the biggest one for me, and I do a lot of the planning, the biggest one is planning out in advance as much as you can. If you do it in advance, one, obviously, as everyone knows, if you're flying, you can save on airfare. If you're planning out in advance, that gives you enough time to look for specials and look for discounts if you're staying in either hotels that are going to be on campus, in the park, or in the surrounding areas. But just recognizing that if you're going in high time, probably not going to be that budget break, which leads to my first tip, which we've always tried to do, is if you travel in shoulder season, so the weather is still good, maybe spring, maybe fall, if it's a place that's really heavily trafficked in the summer, you might have better luck looking for discounted, whether it's hotel rates or just really any type of activity. Balancing, you have to balance out that the weather may be iffy. We learned this at Yosemite. We got really lucky. We went during shoulder season. So we saved on airfare. I think we got a few bucks off in some of the places we stayed. On the other hand, we were rolling the dice with the weather. We got lucky. It was 75 degrees and sunny every day we were there, but it snowed the week before we went and it snowed the week after we went. So we learned a hard lesson. In fact, I'm stepping on what we're doing for 2020, but for our trip to Glacier, which we'll talk about in a minute, we really have no choice but to go in the summer because it's too iffy to go in shoulder season. And so we have to pay full freight. The second tip is kind of an obvious one, but it's something I want to stress on is uh, the best way to save money on these trips is to camp rather than to pay for lodges or hotels or cabins or anything along those lines. And I know we're very comfortable camping and our kids were so lucky are comfortable camping, but I know some people are not comfortable camping but if you can at least acclimatize yourself to a little bit of camping and my advice is which we did when we were starting out is make yourself as comfortable as you need to be i'm not saying uh you know you have to have a lightweight pack and a lightweight tent and eat nothing but tree bark for your time in the back country stay cool car camping and have all you need in your car to make yourself comfortable you know i have a friend whose wife feels like she needs a uh, the right type of tapestries and throw rugs to feel comfortable in a tent. And I'm fully on board with that if that's what makes you comfortable. And if you have those tapestries and throw rugs and you can save money, why not do it? As long as you can fit it in your car or your truck or whatever vehicle you have, it is the best way. The rates for camping are so reasonable at these parks. You know, they're anywhere from 20 some odd dollars a night to maybe 30 some odd dollars a night, but not much more than that ever. Even during high season. So if you plan early, you get a great campsite. And again, the benefits of sleeping in the great outdoors, make yourself however comfortable you need to be. And then you can always winnow it down from there.
0: Right. But if there are people who just are not going to do camping, but are still on a budget, options could be gateway towns may have budget hotels. Uh, You can also look at Airbnbs outside the park and campgrounds that are outside the park might have cabins, like a lot of KOAs have cabins. It's a little more rustic, but you still have what you need and you're not camping, you're more comfortable.
1: Yeah, and even if you, know, you need kind of that solid roof over your head, a great way to save money is to pack in your own food. And we've experimented with, with this a bit. You can either use companies that sell freeze-dried food if you're really camping, and there are some that are really tasty. We've actually found some of these that we really like and would eat as standalone meals. Um, And I confess sometimes I have. (laughs) as a standalone, even in my house with a house full of food. But also, it doesn't take a lot of effort to make something and pack it with you. Or even, I bought a dehydrator, which I think was pretty cheap, 40 bucks or so. And uh, I make chili and I dehydrate the chili and I take that with me camping. And it is a great way to save money because you really can spin the needle um, spending money to eat at restaurants and, and lodges. And at some of these parks, some of the meals you can get in the lodges or the visitor centers are fine, but they're not gourmet. And so you're really not getting your bang for your buck. You might as well pack your lunch, pack your dinner. And uh, again, you're, uh, you're not there for cuisine. You're there to kind of visit the great outdoors.
0: But what about if people are flying to these parks? And so how do they reconcile that with packing their camping gear or their or their food and all those things.
1: Well, I'll give a plug here and they they do not sponsor us, but we try to fly Southwest because they have two bags free per person. And sometimes we have flown and we have camped and I have one of those bags is a huge family tent which I've thrown in there and uh, it gets to go for free and that is a great way to save money if your baggage is going to be free and especially a huge tent or a huge backpack, or a cooler that you can wrap up. There's a lot of things you can do to fly and then ride. One thing we have not done yet, but we are going to explore, is there's a, uh, there are new companies where you can rent camping gear, and it's delivered to your campsite slash park. So you could just kind of pick out a menu of a tent and a grill and food and everything you need, and you can fly, and then it's going to be there at the park waiting for you. We haven't tried that yet, but I'm very much intrigued by that. One, I'm a gear hound, so it's a great way to try out some new gear. Uh, But also, it's a great way if you are traveling and you have to pay for baggage, and it's just a headache anyway, carrying all those bags around and schlepping them. To have that delivered to you, it may be something worthwhile. I haven't done the cost-benefit analysis yet, but these are new companies that are popping up that um, are getting some notoriety. I'm really curious to explore. And of course, one more way to save money, which is uh, what we were able to use last year, is... uh, have a fourth grader with you. Uh, our oldest was uh, in the fourth grade last school year. And so up until this school year, we were able to, as a car, as a family, get in for free with the uh, Every Kid in a Park program that the National Park has. So that was uh, pretty exciting. We have a second grader, and we're very excited for her to become a fourth grader because then we can get back in the park. So it's a great way to save the 20 bucks 25 buck, is to have a fourth grader with you. So everyone, go find a fourth grader. <laughs>
0: And if you don't have a fourth grader and you're going to a few parks in the year, you should uh, get the annual pass.
1: Yeah, do that math. If Get the annual pass. If it uh, works out that you're going to uh, probably three or more parks, it probably pays for itself. And it depends on the park. The, the
0: prices are not the same everywhere and not every park charges, so it really depends. But you're supporting the parks no matter what.
1: Yeah. So again, we're happy to elaborate further on that because it's something we think about all the time. And we realized we did not mention it on these podcasts about how we budget for these. So it was a great tip to mention this in our podcast.
0: Yeah. So thank you for that question. And if anyone has things that they want to hear about on the, the podcast, just send me an email or you know send me a comment on social media and we'll see if we can work it into one of the episodes.
1: So Danielle, before we talk about maybe our hop experiences from the past year, let's look forward a little bit. Do you want to mention so far, I already left one out of the bag, but where are we going next year? The first park of the year will be Big Bend in Texas. Big Bend National Park. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I love Texas. And so to go to a national park and eat some good barbecue uh, is definitely my happy place. You know what we didn't mention? And it's because we didn't go as a family, but I went is one of the parks we went to, uh, Isle Royale National Park. And that series is coming up. So even though we've already visited it, that series is coming up. Uh, So that was a bucket list place for me. But uh, Isle Royale as well is coming up on the podcast. But it was visited last year.
0: Right. I'm sorry. I guess I left that off my list because I was left behind.
1: That's right. (laughs) So where else are we going in 2020?
0: And then, of course, as Brian mentioned, we will be going to Glacier National Park, which has been at the top of my bucket list, and so I'm super excited for this. I've always wanted to go there.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a big trip. It's also a multi generational trip, so grandparents will be there with uh, our kids. So it's going to be uh, an exciting. T- and uncles will be there. So uh, my Aunt brother and
0: uncle is joining uh, is us as well.
1: Uncle Dan, who's the star of this podcast as well. So the same Dan who's on a lot of these trip reports for our uh, brother trips will be there as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun.
0: That will be fun. That's exciting.
1: And probably another one we need to figure out. But uh that's about us all the visibility that that we had. So that's coming up in twenty twenty. That's really exciting, including our series on Isle Royal, which uh look, I'll start there because Isle Royal was uh again, we missed you, but it was a highlight trip. It was a bucket list park for me. Highlight trip with high school buddies and my brother, and we just had too much fun. And your high
0: school Latin teacher.
1: Well, he was promoted up to high school buddy (laughs) at this stage, right? And so it's been a minute since he was our teacher. So he's just a high school buddy. That was one of my highlights. But let me ask you top maybe three experiences, highlights from the past year in the National Park for you.
0: Okay, let's see. Um, One of my highlights was watching the sunrise while camping at the Flamingo Campground which is in Everglades National Park and seeing all the birds there. I woke up before anyone else with my camera by myself watching the sky lighten up and wake up and that was just beautiful. Another favorite was uh, at Saguaro National Park, the Garwood Loop Trail and uh, Wild Horse Tank, a six mile loop that we did. And that is one of my all-time favorite hikes. I really enjoyed that. And probably the last is Yosemite. That I just can't wait to go back there. I loved everything about Yosemite. Okay, I'm going to cheat. I have a few highlights there. Hiking to Vernal and Nevada Falls with our kids. That was our kids' first really big, strenuous, long hike. And I was so incredibly proud of them. They did such an amazing job. That was a really huge highlight. I will always remember that. And meeting Becky on the trail, that was fun. And another highlight from Yosemite was Tom Bopp, who uh, we did an episode with Tom Bop as well in, um, in our Yosemite series, listening to uh, him play music at the Wawona Hotel and give his presentation about recreation from uh, early 20th century. In Yosemite National Park, that was fun. And then, of course, bike riding. That was a huge highlight. Bike riding around the Yosemite Valley. So those are my highlights for uh, 2019. What about you, Brian?
1: Well, I Royal, certainly. Um, and just being on the trail with buddies. With you guys, you're right. Flamingo, uh, not that there was anything special about the facilities, but Flamingo, where we were on the Florida Sea, on the southern tip of basically the National Park, I loved camping there. The stars, the warm weather. It was also my low light if you remember, we mentioned this in the podcast where the super crows attacked and ate all our food, but that was also, (laughs) that was my fault and a low light, but the highlight was actually camping there, uh, which I very much enjoyed another one. And you're right. Yosemite, I could pick out a lot of things, but my particular highlight, and this may be the highlight of the year was, uh, the fen, which is in Yosemite by happy isles. And, uh, even though it's in the Valley, which is pretty heavily trafficked and we were there on a beautiful day. You girls were doing a little art class by Happy Isles Nature Center. And I wandered off to the Fen, which is kind of a swampy area. There's a boardwalk, but it was perfect weather, nice and warm. There's a, a bubbling brook beneath the boardwalk. And I just sat there and quietly listened and just zoned out. And that was where I really felt at home in Yosemite. And those are the moments that I crave when I, when I go to the parks. I'm sure I'm leaving out something, so oh, I'll give one other, just a, a small one. Going to Yorktown, and not to be a history nerd, but we found out recently that we have a direct ancestor, I do, at least, that uh, and the girls do, I guess, that uh, uh, was at Yorktown for the Continental Army with George Washington, and so it was really nice to be there, and we figured out where he was, and we basically walked around exactly where he was, as far as we can tell, during the Battle of Yorktown. And that was pretty special. I had been wanting to go there for a while. And uh, just as not only as a history nerd, but also thinking about a family member who was there all those years ago. So that was also a, a nice highlight for me. Would you like to share the story, what we read about him? All right. So yeah, I will. Again, this is, may not be true, but it turns out my ancestor received a commendation from General Washington himself uh, for being vigilant on guard duty. Apparently, he was ordered to challenge everyone who came across the line. And uh, General Washington himself, who, you know, was six foot four and world famous at that time, comes across the lines and my ancestor challenged General Washington as he would anybody else coming across the line. And I thought, uh, and he got accommodation from General Washington. Now that's the st- official story. I'm not sure what the real story is, but yeah, that's, that's all we know. That's yeah, still a good story. So yeah, that was, Danielle, a great 2019 with, with you and the girls and my buddies. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to 2020 and what we have planned, and uh, even what we don't have planned—surprises like Swaro was a surprise, and uh, I hadn't contemplated Isle Royal at this time. So who knows what other adventures we'll have? So uh, here's looking to uh, 2020.
0: Yeah, you also went to Gettysburg by yourself.
1: I did. That's right. I went. <laughs> I again, history nerd stuff. There's a particular ranger there that uh, I really wanted to hear his battle walk, and you guys had a Girl Scout camping trip, so I was off that weekend. And I just drove and camped out by myself and went on this battle walk. And it was uh, Matt Atkinson's, the ranger, and he's a really uh, engaging guy and a bit of a rock star. So I was really excited to be on that battle walk with him in September. So yeah, you're right. I forgot about that as well.
0: Yeah. Another thing for 2020, I hope we can make this happen, is to finally get
1: the kids to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, Again, we're New Yorkers. The last place we go to, Statue of Liberty. Uh, So, you know, the only thing we're leaving out is our kids' reflection, uh, because this is very much their adventure as it is ours. So uh, let's get the kids in here and ask them a couple of questions. What do you think? Sounds good.
0: Okay, so now I have my youngest daughter with me. Say hello. Hello. So would you like to share one of your favorite experiences in the national parks from this year, from 2019?
2: My favorite one was... Yosemite. I liked the Awana Hotel. I liked the long hikes, short hikes. I liked the storytelling in the Awana Hotel, but the fireplaces were huge. The fireplaces could be like a stage, because that's what it was. So the fireplace
0: that you're thinking of that was actually at the Awani Hotel, and the Wawona Hotel that was near Mariposa Grove, near the big trees. And that's where we saw Tom Bott perform in that piano lounge. You remember that? Yeah. And so the one that you're thinking of is when we had, there was a nighttime fireside story time, and the gentleman was playing the guitar and telling stories. And that was by that big, big fireplace at the Iwani Hotel.
2: So I like the part he showed us of- video and it was it was like very late at night but we saw a video and it was what he recreated of like skiing and sledding and sledding on garbage cans and stuff like that and they had winter ice skating parades and it was so cool but you can't do those things now because it's dangerous, like they're skiing down Half Dome, stuff like that. It's like way too dangerous.
0: Really? Skiing? I can't remember where they were skiing. Did they say Half Dome?
2: I don't know. Oh, if okay, you Half might be making Dome, that up.
0: Too dangerous. <laughs> right, so you're talking about at the Wawona Hotel seeing Tom Bopp perform, and as part of his performance, he showed a slideshow along with music. And showed pictures of people in the early 1900s enjoying the park, doing different activities like skiing and sledding on garbage can covers and things like that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that too.
2: And also there's this thing called the Firefall. It was so cool. And so Dave Curry would say, hello, glacier. There's usually someone else up there, like a train or something. So they would say "Hello down there, that's right, and so he had a really big yelling voice, so that's what he used for the fire. This is what they would do at the top of a waterfall, any waterfall they would set a fire, and then they would close the gate, and then they would wait, and then David Carr would say, "Let the firefall begin and then they would take like a broom or something and they would shovel it down the waterfall and then it would be a firefall. We saw a video of that. It was so cool. People wanted to like maybe drive through trees to get there and then get their carpet down and just lay down and watch it.
0: Right. People would come and picnic, bring their picnics and their chairs and and set up and watch the firefall. So that was at Glacier Point and the people would be down below in Curry Village watching the show. And so they would push the fire over and people would come to watch it. But they don't do that anymore. So it sounds like you really enjoyed learning about the history from um, the early days of Yosemite that really resonated with you.
2: I really liked it.
0: Can you share a highlight? What was one of your favorite activities or hikes from Yosemite?
2: My favorite was probably the Nevada Falls hike. And so I really liked it, the nature around me.
0: What did you like about the nature around you?
2: I probably liked what the rocks like that. I could just climb for shortcuts.
0: Yeah, you tried to do uh, some rock climbing along the way or climbing down, climbing up or climbing down as we were hiking.
2: Yeah, and it was just hiding through the bushes, like, Here we are. like, it was so cool. You like
0: hiding and popping out and scaring us?
2: Yeah. And when it was just me and my dad, we were like, where is mom? And, I was, and we were just like, I was far behind. Yeah, you guys were really far behind. There's just, like, people and more people and more people and more people splitting us.
0: I was far behind because I was busy taking photos, probably.
2: And my sister was far behind, too. And I wonder if she was just sitting down and sketching every picture that you took.
0: And we saw lots of rainbows.
2: But probably you guys saw more animals than us because we were walking fast. You guys were going super slow that you like, Oh, yeah. And I got to see uh, one bear. That's the only bear that we saw. And my mom didn't get to see it.
0: That's true. I did not get to see the bear. You and Papa saw the bear. That was and exciting. They didn't
2: see a bear. It was so sad that they didn't get to see a bear. But I got to see a bear.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you were very lucky. So that was the longest hike you had ever done up until that point. So how did that feel? How did your body feel after that hike?
2: I felt like. Stress at the same time is very happy and is just like, Yay! I did a seven mile hike. My goal, I'm gonna change my goal to a nine mile hike.
0: Wow, all right. And
2: so I got one over my goal because my goal was a six mile hike, but now my goal is a nine mile hike. And I'm just like, Ugh, I don't know if I can do this.
0: Okay, well, that's a good goal. Well, you did a great job. Your little legs were tired, but uh, you did great. So thank you very much for sharing.
2: Yay! Bye.
0: And now we have our oldest daughter. Hello. Hello. So we are talking about some of our favorite memories, our favorite experiences from the year. Would Mm -hmm. you like to share one of your highlights from 2019?
3: Sure. Something I really liked was going snorkeling, but it wasn't in Biscayne because we couldn't snorkel in Biscayne. With the government shutdown. So we went to the state park and went snorkeling, but it was close enough to Biscayne. And the snorkeling, it was so cool because we saw these like really long fish and they were really shiny, come out three times and they were really cool. And we also saw really cool fish.
0: Yeah, it was really cold that day, actually. So it was, it was warm our whole trip. We went to Biscayne. And because of the government shutdown, they didn't have enough boats. And so there was no snorkeling excursion available during the time that we had. They recommended that we go to John Penderkamp State Park.
3: Another thing that was cool at that state park was that big lizard, I think. And it was really cool. It was huge. But it was um, not supposed to be. In the U.S., because it was an invasive species, and the ranger saw it, and she was, like, trying to sort of catch it.
0: So that was at Biscayne. That was right when we arrived there, and that was in front of the visitor center. We saw an iguana. Yeah. And, yeah, it did look cool, but she told us all about how they're invasive species. Yeah. Yeah. So, the day we went to John Pender Camp, I don't know if you remember this, our whole trip in Florida was nice and warm until that last day when we went to John Pender Camp. And it was, that was the day we designated for snorkeling. And it was actually so cold. So, we wore wetsuits. You remember that?
3: Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so, it be- being very windy, but windy on a boat.
0: So it was windy. Yeah. But it was cool. We still saw some neat stuff. So that was a good, that's a good one. Do you want to share another highlight?
3: Yeah, in Yosemite, it was really fun since we were in high elevation. My sister and I had a snowball fight.
0: (laughs) A snowball fight on the hike. Was that the hike when we were coming down the John Muir Trail?
3: Yeah, there was just some snow.
0: Yeah, there there was quite a bit of snow along the trail. Okay, any other final thoughts?
3: Yeah. In the Everglades and Shark Valley, there was a tram ride. And on the way back from this observation tower, there was tiny little baby crocodiles, I think. There were babies of a type of crocodilian, and they were super cute.
0: In Shark Valley, that was alligators. All right, alligator. If I remember correctly, I think the crocodiles were just near to our campground.
3: I have a joke.
0: Oh, I love your jokes.
3: What did the papa fish say to his son?
0: I don't know. What did he say?
3: Keep your friends closer and your anemones closer.
1: <laughs>
0: anemones.
3: Yeah, I, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> uh, that's a hard
0: word to say. That's a good one. You have another joke?
3: Uh, yeah. What did the ocean say to the shore? What? Nothing. It waved.
0: <laughs> that's a good one that's very cute I like it yeah. well thank you so much for joining me I really enjoyed talking to you and reminiscing with you
3: <laughs> thank you
0: and I look forward to our adventures in 2020 with you so do I thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks you may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website everybody's Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on Support Our Show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national Parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.